Hello, I am Todd Nicewanger, and today, as we're getting together and Christian is laughing at me, this is, this is Beyond Sunday. And uh, the, view, the thing that we try to do with Beyond Sunday is we, we try to go after those big kind of concepts and ideas of the Bible, the ideals of what it means to live and follow Jesus Christ, but most importantly, we want to land it into our everyday lives. We want to land it not just into just relationships, but in the relationship of the local church. We believe the best way to play this stuff out is inside of inside of specifically a local church, uh, a local church, church. Cornerstone yeah. Church, which you just heard the voice of Spencer McCush. Uh, he is again here today, the Grand Poobah of Eternity Bible College, the the master educator. I don't know what else to call you that. I'm running out of stuff Just, on you. That, yeah, that works. But That's he's a, here today, also a member of Cornerstone yeah, Church. still a member we of Cornerstone. Wanna, we we want to clarify <laughs> that. And then also uh, Christian Burkhart is again, uh, we're, we're all the three of us sitting down. And again, yeah. just to, to also reiterate Also a member this, of Cornerstone. Also too. a member of Cornerstone. Definitely. And I'm a member of Cornerstone. <laughs> yes. But um, just to reiterate, like our heart is that we are not only guys that are part of this local church. We're not only guys that have wrestled through biblical truths for a while, but the thing I love is we're sitting down as friends, mm -hmm. and we're having this conversation as fellow members of Cornerstone, and I think the joy is we get to invite everybody in to be part of our combo, and hopefully it stirs more conversations about what does it mean to follow King Jesus, and so we've been working through this idea uh, for the last few weeks of thinking rightly in a broken world, and the main text that we brought to bear on it to kind of talk about this that I tried to unpack at the very first was Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your, your bodies as living, holy, acceptable sacrifices, which is your spiritual service of worship. But the part we've been focused on a lot of is not to be conformed to the, the, the pattern, the, the ideology of this age, but instead to be transformed, and the key is the renewing of the mind, so that we know how to join God in what he's doing in the world. And I think that's the key aspect. It is good, pleasing, and perfect. But I think what separates us from the rest of, of, of humanity is, is that we now have access to the will of God. We can know what God is doing in this world and how to join him, but it starts with this transforming of the mind uh, or the, the, the renewing of the mind so that we might be able to be transformed. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we've been going. We've been talking about each of us have preached at different points um, on this, but um, today what we're going to try to do is we're going to tackle um, what does it mean now to be groups of people that keep in step with the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, are filled with the Spirit, all these different realities, because the only contrast between us and the world that we live in is that we have been granted by God's grace, His Holy Spirit, to begin to walk through life as, as He's intended. Which is a huge contrast, right? Like, Massive. You say contrast. the only contrast is that the third person of the Trinity, God Himself, <laughs> has been given to indwell and empower us so that we might live differently. That's right. What an amazing, like, just stop and worship at yeah. that for a second, right? And I think this is why it's so important for us to talk about this because we, we did need to definitely lay out this idea of how to think rightly. What does it mean where the mind is the interface, which uh, Spencer said he's still struggling with, but he just, it's for him. He clarified it. It's how he interacts with the world. I would just add to this. It's also how we interact with God. It's how, mm -hmm. how it is that, 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 that we have this tool that God has given us to interact in that way. Uh, you took us back, Christian, to, to what the intent of God was and those, those just three pillars of one being 
limited information. We had what God revealed to us. Uh, we had also that second component of it, which was we have to live dependently upon him. But I thought the last one, which is I think one that I'm trying to wrestle through in my own life, is just this idea of now doing it in that trust relationship mm -hmm. with God so that we might fulfill what he's intended us to be, these image bearers of his. Mm -hmm. And then Spencer came in. It wasn't so much ideal. It was kind of... Biblical consistency. It <laughs> yeah. consistent with scripture. Yeah. <laughs> but just that whole reality of, of how in the fall, those, those three pillars were just absolutely knocked out from underneath us. Mm -hmm. And humanity went the other way. And, and Yeah, not just not just knocked out from underneath us, went the opposite direction. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was Completely. the... Yeah. It's the we, photo negative. It's yeah, exactly. Operating in yeah. opposite. And I thought the way that you ended preaching, Spencer, just with that reality of our graciousness, our humbleness, our compassion towards the world in which we live in because of just the brokenness of the world. Specifically, we're talking about how we think rightly, how we how we engage with and process our world, our world can't do that. Right. And I thought just the way you ended, man, it, it really did leave just a, a sense of even my own, maybe even repentance, because I think I do look at the world wrongly. And mm -hmm. so anyway, I just wanted to thank you for that on, yeah. for, on a personal level. Yeah, I think it's one of those, I think it's a really important to understand, like the, I mean, we talked about it previously, the brokenness of, of the, the way our mind interfaces or interprets the world and we, we okay the the extent of of sin's impact on the way we think and process but then on the other side of that then what it means then for the redemptive work of jesus to extend beyond just the the moral part of our life mm -hmm. which i mean he, he does deal with the moral part of our life or he does deal with the future salvation part of our life but the redemptive work of king jesus in a really cool way makes it available for us to think differently now yes and that's the part where I'm, I'm so excited about where we're going today like the redemptive yes. work of jesus makes it possible and the holy spirit empowers us to do it so yeah let's go it's yeah. like this is fun and and again this is why it's so important we talk about today everything we're about ready to engage in from here on out this is kind of the i guess maybe the the hinge moment in our discussion, and I think especially when you finish the other day, well, then what, what do we, how do we access this information? If, if we're all broken, if we are all people that from an under, how we perceive, understand the world, if we can't do it, well, then how can we do it? And we were, we were talking earlier where Christian talked about, I, I said only the Holy Spirit. And you were like, <laughs> well, no, it's beyond that. No, we have the Holy Spirit in us and a part of us, and we we now can think not only rightly through this world, but the thing I want us to even get to, and for me, I think this is powerful, we can live and operate in the way God intended. We can yeah. display him well, specifically. We can display Jesus well, which over the last two years, I, I, if I confess honestly, is that at times, me personally, and I think Cornerstone and just the church as a whole, I don't, I don't know if we've We've modeled Jesus well like we're supposed to. And so therefore today, that's what we're going to be talking about. Can't wait to do it uh, with all of you today. So Todd, uh, <coughs> walk us through again, if you can, and quickly. In our part of the story, where we live now, these people who are born in Adam, but now are in Christ and dwelt by the Spirit, how does this 
Romans 12, 2 idea. How do we pursue transformation through the renewal of our minds? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, I think like Spencer really laid out this idea of we have to come to the place where we understand that our minds, it, that it talks about in Titus 1, 15, that idea of defiled, but I love how you connect it to the NIV. They're corrupted, mm-hmm. right? We have to get to that place first to understand. And that's why we did it before we came to this point. It's corrupted. And, and, and I think like even that word that, that Paul uses in, in Romans 1 then is not just that it's corrupted, but he uses this idea of it being debased. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the idea there is, is not, because like, I mean, we, it's not a word we use a whole lot, but the idea is undiscerning. Mm. It, it doesn't know how to process information rightly. Again, we talked about it, that people can understand the world in which we live in. We can look at stars. We can, we can. We can understand the world on one end, but we can't understand it in those three core pillars of how it fits together. It, we don't understand it from the idea of limited information that God did for us. We don't understand it to live dependently. We don't understand it out of, out of this, this idea of truly a trusting relationship. And so therefore now something has to come in that allows us to be able to discern. And in, in 1 Corinthians 2, that's why I can't wait to, to, to unpack this together is that Paul comes in and says, well, the reason that people can't do it is that it's spiritually discerned. Mm. That's what he says in First in First Corinthians 2.15. There's, there's a work of God that he has to do in the life of a person that comes as a person bends their knee to King Jesus and comes to faith. As we know this, and Jesus promised it to his church, when I go, my spirit will fall upon you and things are about ready to change radically. Yeah. And the big thing when we talk again about knowing our world rightly and interacting with our world rightly, we cannot do it apart from the Holy Spirit of God. That's Paul's point. It is absolutely impossible. That's his whole argument in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. You can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. And he calls that person a natural person. That's kind of the person that we've been talking about that, that isn't in Christ, that is the average Joe that we run into on a, on a daily basis, they're the natural person. They, they can't spiritually discern this mm. world because they don't have the Spirit of God. Mm. But I think what's so powerful about this text is that God's Spirit, when He enters in, and, and Paul uses this understanding, who can search the mind of God? Who can search the depths of God? Who can actually go there? And he says, well, I'll tell you who can go there. The Holy Spirit of God mm. and those in Christ who have the Spirit we now have those things God freely gives to us to mm. understand, again, those three core pillars, how it is that we, we walk in the, in the revelation of God, how it is that we walk from the standpoint of independence or dependence upon God, and how it is then we walk rightly in that relationship. Mm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that more, I think, as we talk. But I think what's so great about this text is we can do it. So tease out then, so like, if we are broken image bearers, right? And then like, what's the difference between like the redemptive work of Jesus and then the empowering work of the spirit as it comes to this conversation? If that, I don't know if that's making sense or mm-hmm. not, or. I think it makes sense. You can tell me if I'm going down yeah. the wrong yeah. <clears throat> the wrong path here. I think there's, the, there's this reality that we're talking about, especially in Romans 12, 2, which is the renewal of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. There's a process that takes place, which means that our minds are off. They're off kilter. They have to be brought into a correct kind of understanding of the world in which we live in. And what he's arguing here is, is that the way in which that takes place is through the 
Spirit of God in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. He is the one that takes an off-kilter mind, a mind that by nature, we talked about this last time, always wants to gravitate towards the pattern of this age mm-hmm. and begins to now move it into rightly thinking through the world as God intended us back to Genesis 1, mm-hmm. the way we're supposed to perceive mm-hmm. the world. And in, what's so interesting now about this passage, though, is the way that it expresses itself is that we have the mind of Christ. We now, and, and I can't wait for you to walk through this mm-hmm. when you get to the idea of, of, of the end of the, of the, the Son of God yeah. and, and what that means now in our understanding of information. But we can now walk as he walked. We can engage the world in which he engaged the world because of the power of the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah, no, I think that's just, it's important to, to remember that the redemptive work of Jesus makes it possible. And then the Holy Spirit enables, enables us to continue to actually do this and, and going, they're not different acts. It's just like two sides of the same coin, but both are essential here. Well, yeah. in fact, you cannot, right, apart from the redemptive work of Christ, you do not receive the Holy Spirit. And if I do not receive the Holy Spirit, I can't think rightly through the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think as we talk about the lament that we had and we, as we engage with people is that they have not experienced the redemptive work of Jesus. And so therefore, why we proclaim gospel to people, good news, is not just to save them from hell. And again, I don't want anybody to spend an, an attorney far from God, but man, they can become the people that God intended. Yeah, they can be. truly flourish as humanity as redeemed image bearers which is what paul's trying to say in first corinthians there's these these people that were kind of they considered themselves the super spiritual and paul's like no you're missing you're missing the point like there's a way in which we were created to be and it looks like our king jesus which now when we when we take that a step further and i think that's what was so big for me over this last two years jesus was humble he was meek um he wasn't brash and arrogant all those different realities, but but yet we as the church tended to be that maybe at times. And yet we can actually look like Jesus, who in some ways looked like he got rolled over. I mean, that's even why Paul preached the cross, right? Yeah. It's It was a humbling reality, but yet we can truly be like King Jesus in how we walk through the world, and I think that's what's so powerful. I think when I, when I think back to, you know, we talked about those three elements of the way that God designed our minds to work, and especially that last one, the idea of walking with God in a relationship of trust. And when you talk about the, the relationship between the work of Jesus and the work of the Spirit in our lives in this way, well, what we see so clearly in the story is that Jesus is unique in the entirety of humanity as the one human who never stepped out of that relationship of trust with God, yeah. right? All of us have been born with that broken relationship already, but here is Jesus who all the way through refuses to step out, to go against his father's will, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so if, if our minds are meant to operate in a dependent relationship upon God, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus shows us. And that's where I think like Romans 5, the idea that Jesus has now made reconciliation between us, like the writing of the, the restoration of a relationship, um, the fact that Jesus, out of that perfect relationship with his Father, has now made a way for us to be reunited into Got that. It. And yeah. that, that is the condition in which the Spirit is now given to empower right. us, is because Jesus, in perfect relationship with the Father, says, now through me, John 14, right? 
there is a way to the Father through me. Right, yeah. right, right. And now we can pursue this. Right? No, I just, yeah, I think that's great. I think you guys are doing a really good job. I just wanted to make sure we connected that, hey, the, the work of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit are absolutely complementary here, but they're distinct. Yeah. But, and they're both essential in this. Um, just because I know as, as we're interacting, as I'm interacting with people, they sometimes just focus on the work of Jesus depart, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, or they go, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to empower me to do this. Like, no, 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 no. Jesus is what actually enables you to be redeemed so that you can be empowered by the Spirit to do this. And I think it's so cool because not only is Jesus the one who makes a way of restoration so that we can receive God's Spirit, if you want to know what it looks like to walk by the Spirit, Look at Jesus. He is the he is the quintessence of that. So I think that's a big word. He's the easy example of that. And that's what we're gonna You caught yourself. I was gonna be the word police there. Yeah. <laughs> like you always are. I know we're gonna get into that, especially more after Christmas, but I just think to hold that like the the this idea of Jesus shows us not only makes a way for this, but then shows us what it looks like. It's gonna be Yeah, you can't super separate fun. them. Yeah. You can't separate the role of and the work of Jesus and the role and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that is the beauty of the collision inside of the person of Jesus, the way we got to see it put on display in a very powerful way yeah. while he was, was here on earth. But I think that the key thing off of this is that it still comes back to Genesis 1 and 2. What Genesis 1 and 2, the laying down of those pillars, the crushing of those pillars, that what happened in Genesis 3 and how we see it then land itself into Genesis 11 is everything now that Paul's going to talk about in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 is now the renewing of that capacity to be able to live God's intent. So in a fascinating way, when Paul says be renewed, by in this mind concept, it's to be renewed to the intent to which God created you. Yeah. That's what we're being Amen. renewed to. And the only means of getting there is through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's what we'll talk about, but I want to I want to land this now with you guys because I want to talk about some practical things on this cool. because sometimes in preaching we don't get to land a lot of practical things out. So as we come back, let's really I, I want to talk with you guys more about how you guys see this landing um, in and through your personal life, the life of your relationships, and in this local church. So Todd, as you've been wrestling through this in your own life, what does it look like now as one who's been reconciled to God through your faith in Jesus Christ, and now to seek to pursue this this life in the Spirit? Like, how is this? How have you to this point been able to wrestle through this practically mm. in your own life and relationships? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're good at the like biblical idealism stuff. Now, like, okay, yeah, now what have you what yeah. have you done with this? <laughs> Teach me. <laughs> I need to know. How That's to do what that I, too. I feel like. It's like, what have I done with this? I think like First Corinthians, the beauty of First Corinthians, how messy it is. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys, as you read for and Second Corinthians, right? They're just they're messy books because even when Paul talks about as he moves into the Spirit of God, he's talking about human wisdom and God's wisdom and how the Spirit of God is going to move us towards God's wisdom. But the way he lays it out in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, where he says, that's why I came and preached Christ amongst you. I came and preached, preached redemption because there's, there's no means of salvation. There's no means of becoming the people God intends us to be apart from the work of Christ, right? You can't, there's no other path to this. But yet when now the Spirit of God begins to do a work in you, now Paul says, and I came amongst you and I did it in much affliction. Yeah. I didn't do it with these big, powerful, persuasive words. I didn't look good, 
But yet he did it. He said, I did it so that it might no longer rest in, in, in your power, my power, but in the power of God. Like Amen. there's, I want to display Jesus well. Okay, so let's now take that. We talked about this last week. My predisposition is not to display Jesus well. I do not want to, when I wake up every day, want to make Jesus be truly the king that he is because I battle daily being being king. Or I'll say I want to, but I'm not willing to do the practical things to actually live that reality. And the longer I walk with Jesus, I can mimic what actually King Jesus being Lord of my life looks like, even though he's not. Faker. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> but that was the deception we talked mm-hmm. about last week, right? Yeah, Where right. it's like this idea that, and that's why I think it's so powerful in Romans 12, 1, right? Where he, he says in there, this, this battle really is a being a sacrifice all the time. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be the sacrifice. Mm. I want other things to be the sacrifice. I don't want to be the living sacrifice. I don't want to be the holy sacrifice. I don't want to be the acceptable sacrifice. Because what that means is the death to me. Mm. And, and that's where I think every day, whether it is in conversations, even sitting here right now, we probably don't even feel it. But in an effort to make ourselves look good, we are battling with this right even now. I was just, a thought just came to my mind. How crazy is it right now? We're battling with that oh, as yeah. in, in seeking to make a name for Jesus versus a name for ourselves. Yeah, I want to say something that's going to make people laugh or Smart, be insightful. Or, yeah, or, yeah, even though we know we're not, you know, or whatever. But I think like it's just always present well, it's, with us. It's interesting. You, you brought up Romans 12, 1. You know, that idea of, of this is your, like, offer yourselves. This is your spiritual act of worship. Which your, isn't your, your natural thing. No, like laying yourself down, yeah, like it. sacrificing your own life for the sake of, like, the gospel. To think differently requires, like, offering yourself up. Or Galatians 2.20, right? Of going, you've been crucified with Christ. Of going, the amount of times we've been called to lay our lives down, not necessarily in, in you know, that I'm, that I'm, you know, losing the the reality of my life, you know, uh, physically, but that I'm that I'm supposed to be dying to myself, dying to my desires, dying to my own. It's like that's not a it's not a thing that's new or or unique to certain aspects of scripture. I mean, it's you can build out like in order oh, yeah. to live this out practically, the spirit filled like our mind thinking differently, it requires us to die to self, right? I mean, like. And that's the thing that I don't want to do every day. And that's where I think what's so powerful in 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus Christ came that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again, right? Like that, like that is a powerful reality. Like oftentimes we say Jesus came and died so that we, you know, can go to heaven. Jesus came and died so that he, he can write things between us and God, which is Right. 100% true. Yeah. Right, right, right. But when do we actually think about it that Jesus died so that we might no longer live Genesis 3, the, the, the eroding of those beautiful foundations where we're no longer now limited information, living on revelation, living dependently, living in that, that, that beautiful trusting relationship that you might now truly display God mm-hmm. and not make a name for yourself, but for him. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're asking me where I struggle the most, my biggest problem is me. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I know deep within me is a huge desire to make a name for me, not for God. Yeah, well, go I, I think I would, I would just say like that right there, which I, I so appreciate and so relate to. I think anytime that we, I, I, I remember Spencer, you and I talking about this probably years ago about this idea that like having clarity on the problem hmm. is so important because your view of the problem shapes your view of the solution. Yeah. Um, and so if I view the problems, the, the things I'm wrestling with in my life as primarily coming from others, whether my spouse or my kids or my boss or the governing officials over us or things like that, the solution I look for is going to be primarily about what they need to do differently or that we need to vote people out and get other people in or... But if instead the biggest thing that I wrestle with is the desires of my own heart, it's my own kind of desire to live for myself, that changes the way I think about a solution. And that, I mean, so I think I want to say that the the acknowledgement of unhealth in there is, is actually a great indicator of movement toward health. I, I, I think so often about what Paul says in Galatians 5 mm. of to walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And then he goes on there Verse and talks about the words of the flesh or works of the flesh and the, the fruit of the Spirit. But he makes a statement where he says the desires of our flesh and the desires of the Spirit are, are opposed warring. to each other. Warring. That I think it's so it was so clarifying for me that like this this life of walking by the Spirit doesn't feel euphoric. It doesn't feel... Um, some sort of weird emotional detachment like, ah, floating through things. <laughs> it feels day in and day out like there is a war going on inside of me that I see related in the world around me. And so rather than just saying, oh, look at the world's going to hell in a handbasket, I go, I see that same fight going on in me. But I don't want to acknowledge it in me. It's easier to see it in oh, all y'all, yeah. <laughs> you know, over there. Yeah. But going, yeah, but those moments of like clarity of going, no, no, it's in me. And, and to me, I go, when I read Galatians 5, is it resets my expectations on how much I should value comfort. Because if what I think, like the, the positions I want to hold, the things I want to argue for, things like that are about releasing that tension in my own spirit and making things easier for myself, bending the world or my family or my schedule to fit the way that I want it to be, I think I'm setting myself up for failure. Because Paul says there in Galatians 5, no, this walking by the Spirit feels like a war going on inside of you between the desires of the Spirit and the desires of the flesh. Thank God the Spirit of God is omnipotent and I am not. So yeah. I, there is a really good, there is a 100% chance the Spirit will win this war within me. I want to be a part of that side of it. But I have to expect tension to be the regular experience of my life as a Christian. Right. Yeah, no, that's like for me... The, the reality of going, okay, because of the brokenness of the way my mind operates, the way I'm interpreting the world on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't matter what issues, the way I interact with my job, the way I interact with my family, the way I interact with politics, sports, friends, whatever, anything, the way I'm interpreting the world makes sense to me and what this being a redeemed image bearer is calling me to, to what you were talking about earlier in that idealism side of things is going, no, no, but you have the mind of Christ. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world anymore. 
okay, think differently, mm-hmm. think in a way that's going to put Jesus on display. And the reality of it is that requires me to go, okay, the way that makes sense to me needs to die. And I need to actually, through the redemptive work of Jesus and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, it's that 2 Corinthians 2.20 reality. But no, you've, you've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but, but Christ who lives in and through me. But going, that means I need to actually do the things that don't make sense to me sometimes. Yeah. Which that puts a whole new spin, doesn't it, on the idea of not being conformed to the pattern of this age. Like, I don't know if we think enough through that idea of it being a death. Like a, but that's what he does in, in 12.1. No, I, I agree with you, but I, I guess I just haven't thought enough through the reality of to, to begin to be not conformed to this world. There's a lot of dreams, goals, desires. You brought up comfort, right, mm. wants that we have that it's not just like, we sometimes have this idea of, I'm going to die to myself. And it's such a weird concept to put there, but this... It's the now saying all these things that I long for and desire and want in some ways we're, we're, we're mourning the loss of them, but yet we're mourning them for something greater. I'm not, right, I don't want to get rid of that idea. But I think that's why, like for me, First and Second Corinthians, when I taught those books for so many years, is that Paul doesn't speak a lot about the euphoria, right? He's not in there going, oh, and I suddenly found, you know, the second level of enlightenment after I did this, it was that, no, this walk with Jesus is not only an internal battle, Mm. it is an external struggle. It's, in fact, it seems to be that angst is just a part of now who we are because we now have the capacity to do one or the other. I can be the, I can't pursue those things that the world in its wisdom pursues, and I can pursue this other end of it, which is God's wisdom. But now here's the conflict, which you brought up in Galatians 5.17, right? Just that conflict that's ever present in us. But but I think what Paul is doing in even 1 Corinthians is is they say that's why Paul can't be an apostle. Mm -hmm. He's having struggles and problems. and, And he goes, well, funniest thing, like, man, my whole life is about heartache and struggle and, and, and difficulty and persecution. And his whole point is, wow, I think that kind of looks like Jesus. Who do you guys look like? And he was building, I think, that contrast that to walk with Jesus, and, and you brought up, I think it was in our in-between time, mm. to walk with Jesus is to have the angst of the garden yeah, of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, the struggle of the will of the Father. Father, if there's any other way, like lay her down for me here. I would love to have it, but not my will, but yours. The angst of the Son. Now to say, you know, we have the mind of Christ means we have the angst of the sun. So, so I don't want to be that guy, but I've got to be that guy. Okay, be that guy. How, we've kind of gone away from practical workings out of things, <laughs> and we're back into the theoretical side of things. Land the sucker for me, because well, I'm like, man, I, I understand the tension you guys are talking about. I live it. But practically, like, how do we at Cornerstone Church, like, how do you see this playing out? practically. Yeah, I just don't even think it's... I think, well, there's one side of it, right, is the, the determination that, look, this is going to be a daily battle. I think we have to, on a, on, a, on a daily basis, understand there's going to be a daily battle of this. That this daily battle that I think Christian laid out so well is not going to result in the end, maybe, of us having euphoria, mm-hmm. but it's going to actually lead to much angst and heartache and difficulty. So we have to embrace that. I think, like, there's a side of this that we have to start learning 
that we do have shalom, right? There's a peace to it, no doubt about it, that Paul lays out in like Romans 8. There's a, to, mm -hmm. to, to be people of the Spirit is to have life and peace. So I don't want to say that we're, we're not finding that, but it is just hard. I think we've got to come to that conclusion. This is hard, not even internally, but the point of First and Second Corinthians, it's hard then to work its way out in relationship inside of a local church. In fact, I even wonder sometimes if local churches that don't have a lot of struggles and problems, if it's because we're not actually addressing them and we're, we're choosing to veer away from actually dealing with some pretty hard issues within who we are. So I think it's a call to come embrace difficulty, to embrace some struggle and mm -hmm. some heartache and, and being honest. And, and so there's a lot of practical things that come out of that, which... Again, I don't know if, I, I mean, I've struggled with over the last two yeah. years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, you bringing that up because I just, I just want to understand correctly and make sure we're saying the same things. I'm going, so if Romans 12, hey, no longer be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way that we can do that is through this ongoing empowerment of the Holy Spirit you're saying one of the, the ways we do that is through struggle mm -hmm. and through what else? Yeah, well, I think there's going to be, I think we're going to talk, we're going to let Christian get on it the next week, which I think the connection between Ephesians 5, 18, right? The, this idea of being filled with the Spirit that Paul is going to talk about collectively, the y'all nature of it, which he's going to then connect it to, which I think totally does because of just the outplay of it in, in Colossians 3, this idea of let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's a powerful work of the Word of God that has to come to bear, right? Because the very book that the Spirit wrote, He is going to use to allow us to delve into the depths of God, Revelation, right? We now live dependently in what God has, has told us. Um, but I think there's, a, there's, a, there's another side of kind of on a practical level of this, which is um, learning to walk with, with others, mm -hmm. um, because I can't do this alone, which we'll talk about two weeks after that, that the walk in step with the Spirit is not a solo act. It is an act that's a y'all act. I think even in those passages in, 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 in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, y'all be filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Y'all let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so then there's a whole other dynamic to this that me as I've confessed to you guys, now here's my confession, as a man who struggled for, for, and, and identified the struggle for his whole life since he's followed Jesus, I've now got to try to figure out how to do this with other people struggling along with me. Mm -hmm. But yet that, that messy dynamic, which is so powerful, God now, Romans 8, superintend, there's a word, he brings to bear in such a way for all of us that that is the means of being transformed into the image of Jesus so that we can display Jesus well, so that we walk and live and act like Jesus. And so, it, which is what God wanted from the, the first place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's the it's the again. I don't I don't mean to keep beating this drum on messiness, but it's the messiness of my life. It's the messiness of relationships. It's yeah. You have a thought? I do. I I think that the there's something about re-embracing through the Spirit this limited pursuit of limited knowledge and dependence upon God, walking in a relationship with God, uh, of trust with God and with others. It just, it just sounds really inefficient. It sounds like I could, I, if I could move this a lot quicker, if it was just me, 
And I think for myself, and I think I can speak on behalf of our church family, as products of our culture, as those who've grown up in the pattern of the world around us, we value highly efficiency, quickness. We don't even wait for other people to check out our groceries for us because I could do it quicker if I just go through self-check. <laughs> I, do, I pick it every time, Me right? too. Every single time. It's funny. I'd never pick. I, I, I could be sticking it to the man by not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think we are, we are biased in a way that, that shortcuts our growth. In our, it actually, it's funny. It, it actually delays our maturity and our faith. The quicker we try to move, the slower we actually progress, I think, yeah. in our in our it's counterintuitive. Spirit. It's counterintuitive. Completely counterintuitive. It is this sense of man. You you. Uh, I think about what is the the in Isaiah forty. I think it's forty. Ish. The, yeah, even youths grow tired and weary. Even the young yeah. bubbly toddler who's bouncing off the walls hits that wall. Psh, they fall asleep in the middle of the kitchen floor. Right. And young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This idea, wait on the Lord. Mm -hmm. Be content to not say, okay, can I get a verse a day to keep the devil away like he always says? But no, can I, can I sit and ruminate on God's word together with others and not just go, what's the quick takeaway? Because it's so funny, even when we ask that question here in this conversation, what's some practical ways? I'm thinking quick, come up with something. And sometimes the practical takeaway is wait, think, meditate, mm. discuss with others, be okay to move slower. I think the metaphor often of the church as a flock, of even our role as shepherds, Shepherds could co cover a lot more ground on their own, but when they're trying to lead a flock with them, they have to move at the pace of the flock. And actually, I think that's what's so good for yeah. us. It's the, the, that, that assumption that we have of that I can move faster on my own versus that sense of, no, God, you've made me to walk with you. You've made me to walk with others. I'm going to die to myself and the pace at which I want to move and the checklist and the things I want to accomplish for myself and say, you know what, come hell or high water, let's get where we get together. Yeah. Even if it's not as far as I might Because want to go God is not in a hurry. <sighs> he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think we, we forget this. God is fine. And, and to now for him to go, to, if I can go back to your message you preached on, mm -hmm. the idea of God just saying, just walk with me. Well, are we now willing to actually walk at his mm. pace, mm. right? Or are we going to be the Peter who hurries ahead and the other disciples, right? Versus the impatient kid. Are we there yet? Yeah. We, are we there yet? Versus like, I think like then it gets into the destination is the destination, but the journey is massively important, yes. right? Like uh, that sounds so weird and, and trite and I didn't mean for it to, but it, I think just that idea of God saying, I'm not in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Now just walk with me. And that really, again, is so not not me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's even like when you get to First Corinthians thirteen. That's the dim mirror that we hate. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be there. I want to get it. I want to. I want to arrive. But yet, that's something that we don't get in this time span, right? We don't get in in this age in which we're living. That's not going to come till later. Yeah. And so I I I agree with you, man. Like just to affirm you. I, and I think that was what's so great about one of the things you preached on is just walk with me, mm. just, just journey with me. So you guys are talking through how we walk personally. The struggle for me is certainly that, but it's also then 
how I walk with others mm. is I expect them to be to get things quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and so so oh, I all dude. of a sudden then I try to be the Holy Spirit and make you guys understand things that I am thinking faster than maybe. Anyways, I just I, I, I lose. But the, their inability to process it is actually good for us. Right. We don't believe, again, the in moments of clarity, <laughs> I get pissed off and frustrated, though, because I'm like, no, I'm going to convince you, you know, fill in some words there. But, you know, <laughs> but I'm going to convince you of something and going, no, 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 no. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Like, let me just be patient and walk with you yeah. and walk with God. And going, I struggle with patience in this one. So when we're talking about what does it mean to actually have the mind of Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit? Yes, I need to be patient and walk with God in my own personal way I'm interpreting the world. But with others. But also when we interact with others, I'm... I'm like at my worst, you know, because I'm, I try to be the Holy Spirit and make them get something that maybe is, that's God has on different, you know, time scale for them. Yeah. I'm really curious. I I just thought of something that I've, I've never thought to ask you before. How do you feel like your background as an educator and someone who's still your, your, your main role is in education right now at EBC, where as a teacher, you have the ability to set deadlines and you need to finish a paper by this point, or you need to be ready to take a test by this point there is a way in which you can fabricate a sense of get to this point set the pace for others which is actually in some ways really healthy in an educational sense but then as as now like a shepherd walking with people in a church (laughs) sense how how do you wrestle with that yeah it's um yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's because I've often thought as a pastor, yeah, if I could just like no, it's I, I actually think I actually think you're touching <laughs> on a real flaw in the education system. <laughs> in all honesty, because because I think it's artificial. We okay. end up having knowledge that far surpasses our yes our um our practice. Wow, and I think that's one of the biggest flaws in education across the board, especially wow. in biblical education, is we give a lot of content without a lot of practice. Dang, dude. And so. So I'm, I'm not a good educator in that regard because I'm like, actually, you need to apply this before you actually go on to the next thing. So, yeah. you know. Well, I hate to have to do Anyways, this. Anyways, yeah. I got to draw to a close. That was a good combo. We need to end this efficiently. We need to end this efficiently so that people yes. don't check out on us. But <laughs> I just want to thank you all for, for being with us. I hope we've sparked just some thinking for you and as you, as you also seek to walk with Jesus. But this has been Beyond Sunday. And uh, it's where we, as, as three friends and followers of Jesus, just try to figure out how do we take the big ideals, and especially Spencer as our Holy Spirit, making sure that we answer it wow. pragmatically and practically. <laughs> wow. Because he can't be patient and just journey with God. No, as we take those big, giant ideals and we seek to land them into, our, into just our everyday lives, and specifically, I think, just through the, through the local church. So thank you all for joining us, and God bless you. Thank you.